Thanks for joining us. To keep up with the latest news and podcasts, visit www.propelchurchaz.com. Now get ready for a great message from Pastor Jeep. your Bibles and pull out your outlines now, silent your phone, and we're going to dive into this week two uh, of this series that we're in entitled Why Church, and it's really on a series, or it's a series on why we gather. Why do we come together on Sundays as the body of Christ? Uh, sometimes we can get into a habit or a routine, even within our relationship with God, and, and we can just do the things that we always have done or the things that we normally would do, and sometimes we forget about the reasons why we do things. And so this series is really looking again at why do we come together to remind us and help us understand the purpose of why we meet corporately. And I just want to, again, just I want to commend you for a great worship time and proclaiming the name of Christ. God's presence is here in such a powerful way. And my hope is that he speaks to every one of us now in these next few moments. And Paul says the purpose of why we come together is to proclaim Christ. And he says this in Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29. He says, he, meaning Christ, is the one that we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully, powerfully works in me, Paul says. And so again, we come together as the church for Christ to be revealed. We corporately meet as a body of Christ in order to proclaim Jesus. Meaning the purpose of our gathering weekly is not because we're just looking for something to do. Instead, we're purposeful in gathering for Christ to be revealed in our lives and in our church. We declare and lift up the name of Christ, and he reveals himself to us, individually and corporately. So when we gather under the name of Jesus, God makes himself known to us so that we experience as a church, as a body of believers, all that he wants to do in us, as a body of believers. That we would experience individually, personally, as well as corporately, his will in us for his glory. And so there's meaning, there's intentionality in why we meet. And I want you to see this, that as we proclaim Christ, in reference to what Paul is saying here, godly admonishment brings about spiritual growth and blessing. Not only to our lives personally, but to our church as a whole. Paul says we proclaim Christ and we are admonished and taught with all wisdom. Now this word admonishment is an interesting one. It means to indicate duties or obligations to do something. It means to express warning or disapproval in a gentle or earnest way. And it also means to give friendly advice or encouragement. Now, these are all things as parents that we do with our kids. Sometimes we have to admonish our children. And we have to indicate their specific duties that we've asked them to do or their responsibilities in the household. And sometimes we have to give them a warning or we have to counsel them and say, hey, you need to be doing this, otherwise this will happen. And sometimes we need to give them friendly or encouragement or wisdom to say, you know what, this is what you need to do. These are the changes that you need to make, right? So we do that as parents. And so when it comes to our relationship with God, God admonishes us sometimes to bring about spiritual growth in our lives. He will remind us of what he's called us to. He gives us warnings in a gentle way. He'll also give us encouragement in showing us the way to go or what choices we need to make within our lives. Yeah. 
And so not only does he do this again personally within our lives, one-on-one with God, but also corporately. He admonishes us at times when we gather together as the body of Christ. And so on Sundays, as we proclaim Christ, God admonishes us in order for us to grow spiritually as a church, and he positions us to receive his blessing within our lives. In fact, God's word warns and counsels us to confront our attitudes and actions. When we dig into the word on Sunday mornings, sometimes God is warning us. He's bringing counsel to our lives in a gentle and earnest way so that we are confronted with truth. So that we understand the word of God. And God warns and counsels us in order to confront our attitudes, to confront our actions that may not even be pleasing to him in our life. And attitudes in our life that we may not even realize that we have or that we operate in. Actions that go against God's word or or that are not in line with what he's calling us to, according to his word. And the reason he admonishes us is so, so that we draw closer to him. That we experience the blessing of God in our life. That's why God admonishes us. Just as a, a loving parent would admonish their children. God is the, our heavenly father who loves us. And he admonishes us so that we spiritually grow. And experience the blessing of him in our lives. And not only that, but God encourages and urges us to make needed corrections in our life. The purpose of God warning us with his counsel is this, so that we make the needed corrections that we need to make. That we don't miss out on his best for us. That we don't miss out on God's promises for our lives. That's why the Holy Spirit encourages us. That's why God deposited him on the inside He came to live on the inside so that he would always be with us, so he could encourage us, so he would comfort us, so he would speak to us, that he would urge us in that gentle voice. And he speaks to our heart and mind to tell us what we need to change in our life, our thoughts, and our behaviors, etc., in order to live a life that's pleasing to God. And I want you to understand that God is not out to make our lives difficult, He's not out to make it impossible to live a life that he expects us to live for him. He only has our best interest in mind. His word is only full of truth in order to encourage us and urge us in how to live for him and experience the fullness of his blessing. So we have to look at admonishment as a good and a healthy thing within our lives. A couple chapters later in Colossians 3, Paul says this in verses 15 through 17. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul tells us here to dwell on the message of Christ, to live there, to never forget it, to reside on the message of Christ. And so in order to do this, we must understand that admonishment reminds us that the gospel is not a system, 
It's not a hierarchy or a set of regulations. It's the person and work of Jesus. In other words, when God warns or encourages us corporately on a Sunday or even in our our lives individually, he does it to remind us that the gospel is not about having a spirit of religion. It's not about a religious system that's full of regulations. Instead, he's reminding us that the gospel is about the person and the work of who Jesus is. That we look in scripture at the ministry of Christ, that we see everything that he did, everything that he taught, every miracle that he accomplished. And we understand that that's the gospel message right there. It's because of God's love that Christ came to accomplish all that. And we get a picture then, or we get a revelation of who Jesus is so that we understand who our heavenly father is. That we understand that how much he loves us in our lives. In fact, Jesus said he only did what he saw the Father doing. So if we look at scripture and we see and read and about what Jesus taught, about what his actions were, how he saved, how he healed, how he delivered, all of that represents who our Heavenly Father is. And we have a fresh revelation of God's incredible love for our lives. And so the gospel is about the relationship with Christ and not about religious requirements because we can't earn or work our way into heaven. And Paul says to let this message of who Christ is, that it's about the person and the work of Christ, dwell among us richly as we teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit in singing to God with gratitude or thanksgiving in our hearts. Now, I want you to see something. Isn't it interesting that we can admonish each other as the body of Christ through singing songs to God? That God uses worship to encourage and counsel us in what he's calling us to. By lifting up the name of Christ together that we encourage each other in the Lord. That's one of the reasons why we worship corporately together. I love corporate worship. I love it to hear it when you guys sing out. Not just so I can hear your voice, whether how great or not so great it is, (laughs) depending on where our giftings lie. But I love to hear it because it's encouragement to me. And there's no better place than to sit in the front row to hear everybody coming from the back this way, singing out. Why? Because it encourages me. When you're standing there worshiping, you're not only worshiping God for what he's done in your life, but the person next to you hears your worship and it's encouragement to them. We are admonishing one another, Paul says, as we sing songs to God with hearts of gratitude, songs that are from the spirit or spirit-led songs. That's why it's so important that we come and proclaim the name of Christ together. Because God speaks to us. And you may come in at a place, as Brent was saying, and you may be drenched from what the week has brought, the storms of life are brought to you. But when we worship and proclaim the name of Christ together, we grow spiritually together. God admonishes us, he counsels us, he encourages us. We grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. Why? Because we hear one another. That's why Carrie or whoever's leading that worship song sometimes backs away from the mic. It's not because they're trying to just stop singing. 
It's because they want to hear us. We need to hear each other as the body of Christ declare who Christ is. Why? Because it encourages us spiritually. That's why spirit-led worship encourages us with wisdom to put our focus on Christ. When we engage in corporate worship that is spirit-led, God encourages us in his wisdom to put our focus or our eyes on Jesus. That's why when we choose to worship God because we love him, because we desire to proclaim his name and worship and lift him up, our eyes and our focus are then drawn to Jesus. In those moments of spirit-led worship, when we're worshiping together corporately, and God's moving. Our weaknesses are revealed in God's presence. And we realize our need once again for a savior. Yeah. We, we recognize in those moments our need for a healer. We recognize our need for a deliverer. And so our focus is on Jesus through corporate worship. On who he is as, as the son of God. And through this focus... The Holy Spirit encourages us to dwell on who the message of the gospel is, which is Christ. This is one of the reasons why we worship together. And it brings truth to the importance of spirit-led worship that Paul was talking about. And as a church, I'm so thankful that we have spirit-led worship. Amen. I can attest and, and can affirm you for you to know that and be confident that I know Carrie, our worship leader, and even when Josh leads on a Sunday, they put the time in prayer asking the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our worship time each and every week. They seek the Lord for his direction in choosing the songs that are fitting for the service and the message. And so we are so blessed to have spirit-led worship where the Lord is in control and the direction. As we proclaim Christ, God wants to move and it takes time in advance to pray and to ask for his leading, for his direction. That's spirit-led. Why? Because God wants to communicate to us as we sing and worship him. He wants to accomplish all that he wants to do. And in knowing that we're called to proclaim Christ in our corporate gatherings, I want to remind you of what it says in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. In this day and age where people give up, give up hope so easily, we're called to continually come together to be encouraged in our faith. I'm going to say that again. I don't know if anybody got that. We're called to continually come together to be encouraged in our faith. Meaning we can't give up on God. He is faithful to bring about his promise. And promise says, this is one of the reasons we can't give up on meeting together on Sundays. Because we need to be encouraged as the body of Christ corporately. We need to be encouraged in our love and our actions. We can't get out of the habit of coming to church. Because each of us need the encouragement especially in the days in which we live. We need that. That's why we're to come together to encourage each other all the more as the day approaches or as the day of Christ coming back for the church approaches. Now, we don't know which day Christ is going to return, but we know the season in which we're living. And in order for our faith to stay strong, we need each other. We need the body of Christ and the encouragement that the Lord wants to speak into us. 
Before the apostle's death, he wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says this in 2 Timothy 4, verses one through five. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. So Paul makes it very clear that within the body of Christ, there is a time and a place for correction and rebuking. What Paul is saying here is that there's a place for admonishment, that we have to preach the word as the body of Christ. And with this preaching of the word, we must correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. We can all agree it's not fun to be corrected. It's not fun to be rebuked in our lives. My flesh doesn't like it when I'm in the wrong. But it's for my spiritual benefit that God rebukes me at times. There's a time and a place for correction and rebuking, God's word says. And I experienced that as a, as a child growing up. There were times where my parents had to correct me. I was out of line. My behavior, my actions, my words, whatever it was, they had to correct me and sometimes even rebuke me. There's even been times in my marriage where Julie's had to correct me or rebuke me or encourage me to make changes. Now, it's not fun to experience that because our flesh goes, what? I'm not wrong. I'm right in this moment. But it's for our spiritual benefit that we draw closer to Christ, that we get rid of those things, that we make the appropriate changes in our life so that we come into alignment with who God is calling us to be. And the fact is, we all need correction and rebuking at times in our life. That's why God does it, because he loves us. We need the encouragement to make the changes that we need to make so that our hearts and lives are lined up according to what God's word says. And sometimes we just want to hear all of the nice, positive, fluffy things that God has to say in his word. And we like to dwell on those. God, I'm, not the, I'm the head, I'm not the tail. I'm the top, I'm not the bottom. I'm victorious, I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ. And we want to live on those promises, which we should live on those promises. But many times we don't accept or receive the correction or the rebuking when God is trying to get a hold of our hearts and lives. It's easier to receive his promises than correction and a rebuking. But we must understand and know that God cares more about what we need to hear than what we want to hear. And that's what Paul was saying here in this passage. Our flesh wants to hear what sounds good to it. We want to live in the good feelings bubble. Where I don't want to hear anything that's correction or rebuking or anything that I need to change in my life. I just want to hear all the positive, good, fluffy things in my life. And we like to live there. Why? Because the truth hurts. And sometimes we don't want to hear the truth. 
But out of God's amazing and unconditional love for us, he cares more about us hearing what we need to hear rather than what we want to hear. In other words, we can't be a church that sets aside the doctrine and just preach or teach what we want our itching ears to hear. I'm not here to tickle your ears. Why? Because one day we all will have to give an account for what God's word says. And if we came in here every single week and we just, it was good and fuzzy feeling, makes me feel good always because everything's going right and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just standing on the promises of God. And we don't admonish or we don't correct or encourage out of God's word and give the Lord an opportunity to speak to our hearts and lives so that we come into full alignment. Why? So that we can experience the fullness of God's blessing in our lives we will miss out. We can't part from the truth of God's word in order to make us feel good. Because there will, there will be many on the day of judgment that stand before Christ thinking they're going to enter heaven. And he's going to say, you know what? Depart from me. I never knew you. I warned you. I gave you counsel. I encouraged you to make these appropriate changes in your life and you didn't do it. And they're going to miss out on eternity in heaven because... They missed out on what God was trying to do in their hearts and lives. And it wasn't about a relationship. It became about a religion for them. We can't be deceived into thinking that we don't need the word of God. God's word is what we cling to. It's our life source. It's the truth that shows us God's expectations and how we should live. I put as a couple references down there on the outline. Proverbs 27 5 and 6, and then 28, 23, and this is what 27 says. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And in chapter 23, 28, 23, excuse me, it says, whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than who has a flattering tongue. This is why it's important to have godly friends who look out for our best interests according to the truth of God's word. Sometimes we need an open rebuke because we can trust the truth of the rebuke if it's done in love and it points us or draws us closer to Christ. Those that flatter us, those that sweet talk us, truly don't love us or truly don't have our best interest in mind. They want to make us feel good. They want to tickle our ears. And as the local body of Christ, we must pursue what God wants us to hear. We must pursue the truth of God and his word in order to draw closer to God and to make the corrections that are needed in our life. And even corporately as a body. I want you to look with me at Romans 15. Paul sums up the purpose of godly admonishment in our lives in this chapter in verses 14 through 16. He says... I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you, you, you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them, again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So Paul is writing to the Romans here, to the, to the believers in Rome, that the purpose of admonishment is for us to become an offering acceptable to God. In other words, the reason that God admonishes us in our lives is so that we don't live for ourselves. 
The goal for our lives is not to be about us, not to do whatever it is that we want to do in our flesh. The goal as believers is to live a life that is pleasing to God, Amen. to bring and offer God our lives as a living, as a living offering or a living sacrifice that he finds acceptable. A life that he looks at and knows and he says, here's one of my sons. Here's one of my daughters who truly loves me and is obedient to me. I've admonished them. I've given them the expectations in my word of what I'm calling them to. I've warned them. I've counseled them. I've encouraged them. And they've done all of it because of their love for me. That's the goal so that we experience God's blessing. God looks at our lives and he wants to see a life that is fully devoted and committed and surrendered to him. Why? Because then it's an offering of worship to him. And when we stand before him one day, and even now while we're living our life for him on earth, God can look at our lives and he can say, that son or that daughter of mine, their life is like a form of worship as how they're living for me and all that I've called them to. This is why we need godly admonishment in our lives. It's why we need warnings and encouragement at times in our life to continually strengthen our faith, to draw us closer to Christ and to keep us on the right path with him by making the necessary corrections in our life. And when we do, that's when we experience the fullness of God's blessing. Admonishment is not only a good thing, but it's a healthy thing when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And that's our heart. That's what we're longing for as the body of Christ. That we're gonna go after God in everything. Not just God's promises that make us feel good, but in those times where he admonishes us and he encourages us and he urges us and he wants to correct some things. So we need to surrender to him in those moments as well. Open up our hearts and lives and allow God to do what only he can do to change us to position us, to get us on the right path so that we experience the fullness of his blessing in our hearts and lives.